Welcome to Across the Margin, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Shields. Across the Margin, the podcast is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. They just announced a slew of new podcasts, including a, a podcast about the history of punk, a new fiction podcast, and a few others that just look absolutely captivating. Check those out and the others they have to offer at OsirisPod.com. Today's episode introduces you to producer, writer, filmmaker, and media expert, Jimmy Chairman. From 2006 until 2020, Jimmy Chairman interviewed celebrities for a living. All told, he conducted over 10,000 interviews. On the red carpet, night in and night out, working for E! Entertainment in the channel's heyday, Chairman admirably picked the brains of the world's most famous actors, athletes, and artists. Beyond his work at the red carpet, Chairman helms his own production company, Chairman Media, and has been releasing captivating content across a bevy of media platforms for decades. In this episode, Jimmy and I converse upon the art of interviewing while considering our shared experiences uh, conversing with thought leaders and artists. We celebrate the opportunities that working in media and television offer while Jimmy recounts a myriad of magical moments and encounters across his many years in show business. He also expounds upon his latest venture, an enterprise called Fix Your Shot, which is a leading hands-on video conferencing aesthetic support company. Learn more about that at fixyourshot.com. We talk about that later in the interview. Uh, Jimmy even makes time throughout our diversified conversation to share his theory, potentially confirmed by writer and executive producer Terrence Winter of how The Sopranos really concluded. And we talk about a whole lot more. We bounce around from topic to topic and just have a really, really fun conversation. Jimmy is someone I'm lucky to call a friend. He's a highly passionate, compassionate, and creative artist who is always working on fascinating projects and surrounded by interesting, exciting people. I'm thrilled to have him on the program today, and I have no doubt you will enjoy this interview with Jimmy Chairman. Jimmy Chairman, I am uh, thrilled to have you on. Thank you for joining the program. Michael Shields, I am thrilled to join you. This is incredible, man. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it truly my pleasure. Um, so we have uh, something. Uh, we have a bunch of common, um, as we both <laughs> we know. <do>. Um, <laughs> but while I, um, you know, and, and what I'm speaking to initially is um, interviewing. Um, and while I've conducted hundreds of interviews at this point, um, live and you know across multiple podcasts and in different formats i am a mere novice <laughs> when it comes to interviewing um when it you know compared to what you have done um and i spoke about it a little bit in the introduction but um just a little background as we dance into this uh so you you were working the red carpet since 2006 is this correct that's right that's and, right and were you doing um you know interviews and in, in that you know in the world before that not so much. Okay. Wow. That's, that's I, I had maybe Three maybe done a couple. I, I had written and I had written for my college paper mm-hmm. and I guess in that context I had probably done a couple sure. and two producer stuff uh, for some of the, the films I was making. But no, um, no I hadn't and I, I wasn't hired as the interviewer when I started. When, when I was originally hired by Wire Image, mm-hmm. Getty, Getty Images. Mm-hmm. In early 2006, I was hired as the camera guy, as the shooter. Oh, wow. Wow. How, and how'd they get you uh, in front of the camera? Well, first of all, I wasn't a very good shooter. <laughs> <laughs> we need to find something else for him to do here. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's true. It's true. Um, Appreciate your honesty. Um, but at the, at the same time, the the interviewer, the producer, was worse. Yep. Yep. Um, so they they had 
they had a receptionist at the company who was going out with the camera guy. Yeah, if you know anything about Wire Image Getty, it's a photograph company. Yes. It's a photo company. Yep. And they send shooters out to red carpets. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would stockpile the photos and you could subscribe to the service and buy the photos. Uh, in 2006, that business was absolutely booming. The top photographers were just crushing it. And, you know, people like Paris Hilton, you could have a full press line for her going to dinner at Le Cirque. It was a, it was a weird time, 2006. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was hired as the shooter. I was not great. And the camera they gave me wasn't great. Listen, I, I can frame a shot. Sure. You know, I can, can focus a camera. But it was, it was the initial switch over to HD. And we had this JVC camera. Anyway, I don't want to bore you. It was tough for me to use. Yeah. The interviewer, the producer, was a receptionist of the company. And she was not great. And she got disrespected while I was shooting oh. several times by celebrities. Wow. Um, notably, I remember real well, John Mayer was real mean to her. Come on, John. Come on. I know. I know. <laughs> well, she has some questions. She always, yeah, she always yeah. went with it. Who so. are you excited to see? Mm. What brings you here tonight? Like that that style. Yeah. And he was like, he was really, he was like, I'm excited to see you. You oh. look great. Oh, whoa. It was, it was not nice. And yeah. he said, in there, you know, I, I, I think that he's gotten a lot kinder since he's joined the Grateful Dead family. I can only hope. Yeah. Um, I did have two experiences with him early on where he was a little mean to my people i was with never to me directly mm-hmm. but it does seem like he's mellowed out a lot of a lot since he's I would, been in the i band. would hope so i would hope the scene um you know kind of uh, sh- shown the light and uh yeah you know, maybe so. maybe someone stirred something into his drink at some point or something <laughs> <laughs> Ease him, ease him up. Yeah. so so you know, then then you transitioned you know it sounds like there's, there was an opportunity so my, my boss asked me my, my boss asked me what i thought of of the producer Honestly, because I never wanted to throw her under the bus. I wanted that job. I, yeah. I did for sure. sure. But I, I, it's not my style to throw someone under the bus for, for something like mm-hmm. that. But when I was asked, it's also not my style to lie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when he asked me, I was honest. You know, she, no, she's not great. You know, it was after Patricia Arcat or something mm-hmm. had been really mean to her at, the, at, at this. Uh, I don't even remember what the event was. But she wasn't nice to her. He asked me, is I, I'm like, honestly, he said, honestly. And I told him, you know. You think you could do better? Hell yeah, of course. So the following week, I was out on the red carpet. And my first event was the something called the Brick Awards. Mm-hmm. I interviewed like yeah. Susan Sarandon, Jimmy Fallon, Mary Louise Parker, um, I think Keenan Allen, who is still in SNL, yeah. even then. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy <laughs> Lynn Siegler. I never want him to leave, honestly. Yeah, I don't just think he ever will. Just say. Well, so you're swimming – with the sharks right away. I mean, these are these are the big names right off the bat. How'd that feel? Where is it? I mean, that had to be pretty intimidating. It was no problem. Oh wow! Um, it was just like talking you to. Nice and I, I, I think ultimately that that particular niche of interviewing. I think that ultimately why I was good at it was because I don't. They're no different than you. I don't talk yeah. to them differently than I talk to anybody. Yeah. It's, it's that uh, the old Christopher Walken thing from the cowbell sketch. You know, mm-hmm. I yeah. put my my pan leg, my my, <laughs> yeah, my pants on one leg at a time. Except when my pants are on, I make gold records. Yeah. 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 Bruce <laughs> Chamberlain, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of your interviews too, and just your clips. And you are, it's you bring a very human element to it, and you could tell it's received very well. And that's uh, that's probably led to some really funny and interesting and, and, and again, human moments, which is really cool. Um, you know, it, you know, when you look at, I mean, you've done so many interviews and I think if someone were to see kind of your bio, are you talking about it where it's like, you know, 5,000 or even 10,000 interviews, it might sound crazy to people or even un, you know, feasible, but that is truly the case. I mean, how, you know, I think it would be fun for people to hear who don't know this world a little bit how that can even be possible. Like, but you are you're working the the red carpets where it's it's just like it's like machine gun interviews, kind of. First of all, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> the years, the years add up. Absolutely. They do. They sneak up on you. Yes, man. they do. I was, I was a young man. 2006. I was a kid. You know, yeah, and then you blink and you've been doing it for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And, and the way that you rack up numbers like that in that context is because on red carpet, uh, particularly like 
for example, we like upfronts. You, you know what upfronts are. Yeah, yep. But to the layperson, upfronts are where all the networks bring the entire roster of stars on the network. And when I say network, I mean traditionally CBS, ABC, NBC, Fox, and then CW, but also the cable networks get into it. FX has a big upfront every year before the actual upfront weeks. But when you work a carpet like that, mm. you might do 50 interviews. Yep. Exactly. You're talking. So I list that, that interview of that, that number, that 10,000 mm-hmm. interview number. That's accurate. I have an algorithm. Yeah. There's uh, math I, there. I, right? I, say it again. There's math there. There's this. You, you, there is, there yeah. is math yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you can rack up numbers real quick mm-hmm. when you have a week yeah. where you're doing 30 to 50 interviews yeah. on every carpet you do. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, for, for the last, for the last 10 years I was, I was with, Mm-hmm. and I didn't have to interview everybody. But for the four years before that, especially the, the first couple of years with Wire Image, I racked up a lot of numbers right at the top yeah. because their business model is you interview everybody. Mm-hmm. At mm-hmm. E, you don't have to, to interview everybody in, in theory specific, because yeah. very little is going to make air. About 1% of the interviews that I did over the years actually made air. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's also, you, you brought up something at the top, Mike, about, you as an interviewer and me as an interviewer. Um, what you do, that's the style of interview that I'm much more into. You do long form and you really talk to people about important things and you really chop it up. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, as an inter- you know, I, I did lengthy interviews and certainly in the context of a sit down in studio or a junket, I could really get into things with people. But for the most part, that red carpet stuff where I racked up the real numbers, resurface. A, lot of, a lot of that is just trying to get celebrities to talk about their personal life yeah. and all that other stuff, all the important stuff with the interesting, the interesting things that I want to talk about with interesting people. Ultimately, a lot of that is, is a guise to get into, to say into questions about their family or their relationships, mm. which is really horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, really empty. And <laughs> I can see how that a lot of trouble with that. Definitely. I know. Definitely. And, it puts you in a situation sometimes, which is, is incredibly awkward, mm-hmm. which cause, cause the whole job is to come up to that line. Yeah. No, we're, we're sometimes in that context, you actually get yelled at by people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I worked, um, I know the junket scene. Well, I did, uh, I worked for Netflix for a while and you know, yeah. we would do, um, pre COVID, um, you know, we'd all, they'd rent a floor out in a hotel and I would just go room to room and you know, whatever shows were coming out, you talk to all the stars. Um, and, uh, you know, it was limiting, you know, it was, it was so rapid fire, but it was, uh, it was always a shame. I felt like, you know, whether I'd have like five or 10 minutes towards the end, we were really getting places and talking to some, about some cool stuff, but then it was, you know, that was that. Um, and, oh, absolutely. That, that, the time constraint is really rough. This long form stuff is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was, uh, I mean, also, you know, I believe, and I hope that I was bringing something different to the table. And I feel like you are as well when I see your interviews. Cause I mean, they're literally getting asked the same questions about the show the entire time. And if, you know, that's, that's just gotta be just the worst, but I am curious though. Cause I know, you know, you're someone who's going to be uh, diligent or just, you know, kind of want to do it right. Of course. Is there any sort of preparation when you're going into like a super carpet like this, you know, um, you're going to see all these people. I mean, what's the preparation for that? And, and like, how do you prepare for that battle? By reading. Yeah, you know, but you right? have to be, you have to be prepared. Yeah. And, and it, to, to your point, my initial forays onto the carpet were, were, it was great exercise for me because wire image and Getty. And then in the years after that, when I was with the Associated Press, you were not as far up the carpet. You're not as close to the front of the carpet mm. as I was when I was with E, which was usually at E, I was fourth. But with AP and Wireman, I was even further down, Getty. Um, they've literally heard every question. Any base question that you can offer, you, they've heard it 20 times by the time they've Definitely. got you, at least 10 times. Yep. So you have to bring something mm-hmm. more than what other people yep. are bringing. And the research is the most important part. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. You, you know this. You're incredibly well researched. I've listened to your stuff. You, you know everything. But, but that's. Preparation is, 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 is key. For me, it was just reading. Um, yeah. I, I, one of, and I think I mentioned to this, this to you before, but one of, one of my great regrets in 
the 10,000 interviews that I did or so, mm-hmm. whatever the number is, is when I interviewed Brian Cranston, I did 15 minutes with Brian Cranston, a great idol of mine, one of the finest oh, actors ever. Genius, yep. Genius. Yeah. And I interviewed him at the Time Men of the Year Award before I had watched Breaking Bad. Oh, no. How, yeah. Wait, how long was it out? What, what year are we talking? Was it like the whole series out? Did you catch up later? No. Okay. I, okay. I think it was probably three seasons in. It was okay. probably the third or fourth season. Yeah. Midway, like Gus Spring. Yeah, that's before, pretty standard, before the end. By the way, that is actually when the show really took off, and people, you know, word of mouth had grown to the point where you kind of had to see it. For sure. Well, yeah. I didn't until the end. Okay, I, but I never saw Walt break bad at that point. I had to. I had to fake <laughs> the phone, and that was a bummer. And when I was talking to to you about it, mm-hmm. I started thinking about how many people I had to do that with. And I had to, I did several seasons of Mad Men. I did a Mad Men premiere at the Paley Center, but over the years I interviewed January Jones and Christina Hendricks and John Hamm several times. And I always had to fake. I interviewed Matthew Weiner, the, the, the creator. Yeah. I had to fake like I was an expert on the show. Wow. There's a skill there though too. There's, I mean, I mean, you can't be expected when you're doing all the interviews you're doing to know everything. I know we're speaking to some things that mean something to you now, so it, it bothers yeah, of you. Course. But, yeah. I mean, that's part of the preparation is also maybe not preparation, but part of the skill. I mean, you're improvising out there in a major way. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. And to that point, so this, this FX up front is, is a beast. Yeah. The FX up front is, is about a month, month and a half before – well, now everything is off. But it, in the past, it was about a month, month and a half before actual upfront week. Mm-hmm. Week, and there are a ton of FX shows. Yeah, and there is, and they bring out all of the talent. And I can tell you, three years in a row, the FX publicist called the E office to tell them how much they appreciated sending me mm. because of how much I was a fan of the FX shows. <laughs> Michael, I didn't watch any of them. I watched It's Always Sunny. You know, yeah, that, that was yeah. the only one I, that I could convince the cast of Sons of Anarchy or justify uh-huh. that I was some expert on their show. First of all, I had a crisis of confidence about it. What does this say about me? Am yeah, I that true. big a phony that, you know, that, that fraud complex, that voice in your head that tells you how much you suck all the, the time? Critic, yeah. Like, am I, what? When, when I discussed this with Lee, she's like, no, that's just about your, the, the preparation that mm-hmm. you did. That yeah. doesn't speak poorly on you. Yeah. I mean, not, you might not have seen it, but you were informed and you know, you knew enough to go in there and you know what? It's like I was saying earlier, it is just impossible to be prepared for the numbers that you were doing. And I think that's a credit to you going in there and, and being viewed as someone who knew what they were doing. Um, it is, it is wild though. What does it say about you being able to fake it in that way? It's, oh my uh, God. it's really something else. So I think I'm a pretty, I think I'm a pretty honest forthright guy. You've, you've been, I've known you for a while and you've been nothing but, so you spoke of some, you know, a fail kind of, um, I don't, I can't see it as a major fail. I'm sure it was better than you think. There had to be many, magical moments though and and you know when i say that uh, is there anything that pops to mind right away i mean you're meeting your heroes out there so obviously there's ups and downs with that but there had to be some ups that were pretty incredible oh my god man <laughs> so so many I, I i yes off the top of my head and i didn't prepare a list but Oh sure. I, I, it's funny. I did prepare a list of people who have yelled at me. <laughs> oh, do do that right now. Do you have that? I want to know who yelled at you. That's amazing. Who do we got? Bill Bill Cosby. Okay. Um, Kristen Stewart. Okay. Hate Haley Bieber. Haley Baldwin Bieber mm-hmm. screamed at me, embarrassed. <laughs> um, Peter Facinelli tore into me. You know who Peter Facinelli is? No, he's Peter Facinelli. Oh, he got so upset at me. He's the dad from the Twilight movies. Oh, okay. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I had, I had the audacity to ask him about Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart. Oh, come on. That's, it's kind of, which like you had to, I, I had to, you had to, that's the job. Man. Mm-hmm. And it's you, also something you, you don't would, have to. Yeah, no, but you did. And that's also something he should expect in that arena. 
Oh, he wasn't expecting it. He <laughs> in a room full of people. So I, yeah, this is this is a crazy story. So I went in there. This was in my early days at E. I was not even staff. So I'm talking like 2009, um, maybe early 2010, but I think it was 2009. Height of Twilight Mania, and I get Peter Facinelli and Reggie Bush. So Reggie Bush is on Kardashians at this point, or just off of Kardashians. So he's huge for the network too. And they're doing, it's all in the service of selling something, Mike. You know that. Mm-hmm. It's, yep. uh, what, what, what's, what's the fake Orwell quote? Um, news is what somebody doesn't want you to print. Everything else is public relations. Yep. Well, everything is public relations. This is all about selling something. So for this thing, they were working for Cuisinart. Mm-hmm. And it was at one of those studios, those midtown studios that you can have a studio audience in there. But it was really like an infomercial shoot for Cuisinart. Mm-hmm. But they sent me there. And at that time, I had started with E! News, but I was also working for a show called D10, The Daily 10, which came on after E! News every night at 7.30. It was the same thing under the same umbrella, but they had different EPs. And the EP at D10, who I worked for first, he used to want to make me ask the hardest questions. He did not care (laughs) what he was sending his field producers out of. So number one on the list was to ask Peter Facinelli about Kristen and Rob. And I'm like, I'm not going to lead with this. <laughs> you know, so, so I moved it down on the list. Yeah. And this, 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 this Cuisinart infomercial with Reggie Bush and Peter Facinelli. And before we go on, there's a studio audience and I'm hanging out with these two guys. Now, Peter Facinelli, he, he's been in movies forever. You might remember, you remember the movie Can't Hardly Wait? Oh yeah. He was, he was Mike that. Dexter. He mm-hmm. was the jock Mike Dexter. Mm-hmm. In, in, he's been in everything. Yep. He, was ma- he was married at the time to Jenny Garth mm-hmm. from 90210. Yep. Kelly. Yep. Um, and I'm hanging out with Reggie Bush and Peter. And we're hitting it off. And I know football. I know sports. So, so talking to Reggie Bush, because I was a huge fan of the SC team that won the National. Yeah. Or did they lose to Vince Young in the National? Anyway. I think that, they did, yeah. He, that, that national title game was one of the best ever mm. in that season. Reggie Bush was incredible. He was. He was, he was like a video game. And yeah. I was a huge, and I'm hanging out with him talking football. And it's so great. And Peter, we're, we're growing out, the three of us, talking about football mm. and life. And I do the interview starts, and it's in front of a live studio audience. It's giving me anxiety to talk about <laughs> And like six or seven questions in where I had moved the question down to. I ask about Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart. You know, I, I thought I tagged into it nicely. At that point, I was still still novice at that. Yeah. And all, right, right away, the mood changes. And Peter Facinelli's face changes, and he becomes enraged. And he's like, how dare you ask me that? Wow. Would you ask them about me and my... And I'm like, oh, my God. Because <laughs> like, ultimately... That's the job. And yeah, it changed the yeah. tenor of the entire thing. And I was mortified. It wasn't just on the carpet either where no one can hear. This was a room, an audience of 70 people that just saw me get chewed out. I was mortified, man. I wanted to like crawl into my clothes. I, I just wanted to disappear. Yeah. Um, but again, that's the weird part of that job. It, 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 all of it is coming up to that line. Mm. I, I'll tell you one story about that where I didn't get yelled at by the celeb, but her publicist. And this this was, is, is the job in a nutshell, right? So this is one of my last years on the carpet. And this is when I'm incredible at digging into this stuff, right? Um, I was interviewing Kate Beckinsale uh, on a Friday night. They had a, a red carpet premiere down at that, uh, you've probably been there for junk. It's the Crosby Street Hotel, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. Yep. And it's like, yeah, you never want to do a Friday night carpet, but it's a little bit of a looser move because everyone is getting out of there for the weekend. And at the time, she's supposed to be dating Keith Davidson. I'm like, you know, she's not going to want to talk about this. And in a situation like that, it's your job to ask that unless you're asked not to. Yeah. So if a publicist will ask me not to talk about something, I'll always respect, or I would always respect Definitely. That's, 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 that's the agreement. It, if the crew ahead of me gets shut down asking for that, mm. then I won't ask it because I'll know. Yep. But if I don't see that, it was completely my obligation to ask the question. Because mm-hmm. again, that was the job. So I'm like, you know, this isn't going to be a problem. I knew that publicist who was real tough. And I was, extra was there. So I was, you know, you're always behind it. it the, the order on the carpet for years was entertainment tonight, access Hollywood, 
extra some oh extra will be in front of me and she'll ask me even if so this won't be a problem and I tried to relax about it and the whole scrum starts she gets there and it's craziness with the photogs but she's the one star that's walking and the rep for the event moves me to first in front of extra and I'm like oh shit I'm gonna have to she'll tell me she'll tell me yeah. and then the publicist comes up and I'm expecting her to tell me except she just gives me a hug. I'm like, oh my God, I have to do this. <laughs> and I do the interview and it's real cool. Kate Beckinsale is cool as hell. Mm -hmm. uh, I've interviewed her a few times. So beautiful, so smart, mm. so cool. And I'm like, do I really have to do this? And I, and I did because in that context, you have to ask the question. And she gave me some charming answer and just walked away. Yes. Boy, did I hear it from that publicist. <laughs> she, she, oh, she my God, did I get torn into, bro. <laughs> it was unbelievable in front of people. Oh. You know, I'm probably turning red and sweating and like, <laughs> how dare you ask that? And um, my clients aren't going to talk to E. And, but that's the job. That's Her the saying job. that my clients aren't going to talk, my bosses don't care yeah. or didn't care. They no, wanted me. No, I, that's, that was the mandate. That was absolutely the mandate. And at the end of the day, dude, that destroyed me. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, it, it, it sapped the joy out of the job. Definitely. Because as cool as some of that experiential capital was that I gained, and I went to the mountaintop with this job, mm. yeah. which we'll talk to you about the good parts in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's if I, was, I, had an, I was thinking about when you were just saying that, and, and uh, I apologize, just I'm interrupting no, no, you. No. But, uh, you know, how. You know, it really speaks to human nature when, um, you know, I, you know, I was staring us towards talking about some magical moments and I know you had your list, but like, I really feel that, you know, it, it's in a lot of us are just hard, too hard on ourselves in a lot of ways. But I, <laughs> when people ask me about, you know, who I interviewed and, or so, things like that, um, or, you know, tell me stories, I always seem to go right to the fails and like, they really, it's amazing how much they stick with you or just those crazy <laughs> awkward moments thing with you they really stand out more than like you know i'm looking i have a list uh too of uh five timers of people you interviewed five times and i'm looking at this list and it's off the chain it's uh you know i'll, I'll just mention a few barbara walters ben stiller michael strahan howard stern jerry seinfeld ryan seacrest adam sandler paul rudd um sarah jessica parker jada pickett smith rob lowe howie mandel jennifer lawrence matt lauer um, you know, Scarlett Johansson, Ice T, Hugh Jackman, all the Kardashians, um, just uh, uh, Donald Trump. So they kept the lights on, right? Yes, absolutely. They sure do. Donald Trump on here, Matt Damon. The whole I've interviewed thing. Donald Trump eight times. Eight times. <laughs> eight times. How was he? How was Donald? He was probably. Was I mean, he's he exactly who you know him yeah, to be. He yep. lives the gimmick. He's like a wrestler. He lives the <laughs> he gimmick. Yeah. He would. He would honestly. He. he Sadly, I had to report. He was always cool to me. Yeah. The last time That's I interviewed true. him, yep. he told me it was an honor to talk to me. I have a, it's all, it used to be hosted on me online. Yeah, like yeah. embarrassing now, <laughs> yeah. and, and even more embarrassing than that, Don Jr. and Ivanka were totally cool to me. Oh man, which yeah. I like hate. I, I think they were different people than than. Yeah, I don't. Even, yeah, don't even and also, you know, politics. it's a, it's a different, um, you know. It's a different place they're in too, and then yes, I'm, oh, sure, I'm sure. sure they change, but you know they shined shined it up, and they're they're, you know, it's they're in front of the cameras, and you know, it's a. Well, I went to I went to college. Yeah, you both went to Penn, which, right? Yeah, yeah, did, yeah. Did you did you know each so other was, then? Did you and Don Jr.? I knew Don Jr. Yeah, uh, yeah. I did. Um, uh, hung out with hung out with a, a, he dated a girl that was in a crew of girls that I hung out with. So I was in social settings with him for yeah. probably like two months of my junior year. Yeah, yeah, um, magical moments. What? Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to let it go because I know, I know there was, there's, there's like an. I'm, there, I'm, there's magic, man. Yeah. There, there's so a couple of the ones for me. It's when I can get longer form with the artists that I love the most. Mm. You know, for for me that that. So I did. You and I are both fans of The Sopranos. Yep. Um, I got to do thirty-five minutes with David Chase. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. And just talk to Pranos. Right? That's, that, I mean, there's, if, you know, 
you love The Sopranos more than I think anyone I I know. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a fact. I'm a big fan. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Um, that's amazing. That must have been really really. I mean, I, I, I was fortunate enough to know uh, uh, Michael Imperioli has been a guest on this podcast here. It's, we talked sure about has. his book. Uh, is it's really good. I'll recommend it again. The perfume burned his eyes is really good. But that must have been incredible to talk to David just about The Sopranos. That's so cool. Oh, it was amazing. I have a whole theory as to like what happened at the end too that I talked to him he just smiled through I, I interviewed Imperioli too you, you, I, gave, I wait, 20... you gave David Chase uh, you told him how it ended you gave him your I gave him my theory <laughs> to see it. if he would bite yeah. I, dude I also did it to Terrence Winter oh wow um, at, at the 20th anniversary thing <laughs> Terrence, Terrence Winter in a way like validated my theory wow wow he really did he, smi- he smiled he, it was like a knowing smile through the whole thing and then, like, kind of like a, a chuckle at the end, like, ah, hey, you might not Wait, be far off something along those lines. Let's. What is your theory? Is it, is well, it too complicated? I, can you can you elevator pitch it? I again, and I just I just watched most of the series again recently. Of course, and, you and I, I, not to say that I've come away from it at all. Yep. It, I, I part of me thinks that Pete Lamana pushed the button from prison. Okay. Okay. Oh wow. That that he that he should have taken care. Oh, you know, wow. he was made yeah. he was made by Robin Peach's game. Yep. And then, you know, members only guy is kind of the sort of budget hitman that like a guy in, in the can could maybe activate yep. from inside. Yep. Oh, I like it. Um yeah, I, I think about I think about Peach's glower, both in that slow mo in the poker game mm-hmm. when when Tony gives him back the poker game, and then you know in in the bus when he's being shipped back to prison, and then that conversation between T and Phil at the Bing about you know should I should we just nip this in the bud, you know wh- whether it was the right idea to clip him or to do what they ultimately did with Chris and Paulie Germani, which was plant the TVs and call the parole officer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I, I do have to say, in hindsight, I think it's just as viable that uh, that Patsy Parisi. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, push, push, push the, I, I do think Tony got clipped. Yeah, me too. Um, and and I, I I think it's you know it was speech has been what I thought for years, and that's what I pitched to the planners. I was like, is this right? But I do <laughs> think you know Patsy Parisi absolutely could have been behind it because he not only had the vested interest in. You know, you killed my brother. Like I'm going to get revenge for my twin brother, mm-hmm. uh, and you know that that storyline from season two and three. But additionally, with that, with the power vacuum in Jersey, Patsy Parisi really stood to be the boss of Jersey. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So, it's all mapped <laughs> out. It's all completely mapped out. It's so good. So, so I did. So I did the 20th anniversary of The Sopranos. What a, what a treat! Uh, and it was incredible. And it's funny you mentioned Imperioli. He like he basically called me a nerd on the car. <laughs> he's, not, he, he's not wrong. It's no, he's like, he's like wow. Car, yeah. <laughs> he's like man, you know more. You know more than me, man. What, what wasn't wasn't the first time? I mean, you got to be well researched, right? Absolutely. And, and yeah. so, so to to that end, um, in in 2012, before I, I'm a big wrestling fan, yeah, professional wrestling, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and in 2012, I pitched this series for the show for e-news uh that my ep was all about my ep at that time was amazing i, I love her so much i would have gone to war for her she was deposed unfortunately in 2014 but mm. she was the greatest and if she's listening best is best uh but she was all about this wrestling with celebrity series that i pitched oh. and it was about kind of the crossover between wrestling and pop culture from hogan to at that time the present with uh, with The Rock becoming the biggest movie star in the world, yeah. and you know the, what they called at the time the Divas Revolution, which ended up you know the women became the better act at WWE. I do have to add, uh, I don't watch WWE anymore. I watch wrestling, but I watch their competitor AEW. Okay, <laughs> um, but that's a different story. Anyway, yeah. at the time I did, and I kind of worked tangentially with WWE inside of NBC for years. I was on the WWE storylines team. Um, for, for several years, but wrestling with celebrity was, I owned it. And I worked with the WWE PR pretty closely and I got to go to the raw before WrestleMania in Philly and do sit downs backstage with the rock, Tina, Jericho, 
I mean, these were long form sit downs. Like yeah. I did 25 minutes with the rock. Wow. He's a good dude. And Speaking I, of that, he had to be a great interview. Oh, he's the best. Yeah. <laughs> he's the best. And I always get him when I've done sub- subsequently, when I've done carpets with him, mm-hmm. you know, listen, and this speaks to another point about the, the methodology of, of, of interviewing and red carpet interviews and, and how it's a different context. Subsequently, when I would talk to The Rock on the carpet, I would make it clear immediately that I was a fan, that I was a wrestling yeah. fan, and not just like a fan of Dwayne Johnson, the actor, mm-hmm. but the, that I knew what I was talking about with wrestling. And, you know, you got to respect you got to respect that. If, if, if you, they're, they're called smarts and marks, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I am a smart fan and the boys to a certain extent, they, they respect that. Yeah. And I think the rock and every wrestler that I interviewed over the years, and I've interviewed many, they respect my knowledge, but it speaks to a bigger point is that on a red carpet context, right? You have, it, it's a matter of comfort, right? You have to make the person comfortable enough with you in the incredibly brief time yeah. you have with them. So I always leave with, genuine flattery mm, mm. right it's, it's it's not like it's not obnoxious if you mean it, it so uh, i pick out something that i love about. out there if, yeah. it's, if it's real it's real you know but there's always something about someone that, you, that an artist Absolutely. that you like or love yep. and if you lead with it and it is genuine mm-hmm. you know they're, they're disarmed right away yep. Yep. so it, 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 in in a sit down in a junket or in a, in, in studio you have a few minutes to break that wall down yeah Definitely. But in the context of a red carpet, you have 10 seconds to break it down. Usually I would reference the previous time I had interviewed them and how, what, you know, that even in, in, in that space, even if they don't remember you, they pretend to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Definitely. Um, uh, because, and, and my memory helps yeah. having a great memory. Yeah isn't as important today as it has been throughout history mm-hmm. because we have supercomputers in our pockets yeah. that have all the knowledge inherent in the universe, mm-hmm. like literally on our person at any time. It's wild. But when you're talking to someone and you're interviewing them, you don't have access to that. Mm-hmm. So the more you know about stuff, yep. the more informed you are, the better research you are. It does give you a leg up. And, and you're somebody with kind of an, an encyclopedic knowledge of, of many different things. So I, it for sure helped you in the context of interviewing people. I know it helped me. Oh, it's absolutely crucial. So I'm thinking about, um, you know, just all these opportunities it afforded you that we just talked about, you know, getting being at that wrestling thing, the Sopranos opportunity. And also there is a rush of, of being at these events and, and meeting these people. I mean, it, that's just a fact. Um, yeah. do, you, do you Do you miss it? I mean, you, you know, you're, you're, you're not on the carpet anymore and we're going to talk about where you've gone and what you're doing. But um, I'm, I'm curious if, if that's something you do miss. There are aspects of it that I miss, but yeah. overall, no, not really. It was mm. a chapter of my life. Yep. Uh, cool it, it, it. It, it was incredible. It's very high pressure. Yeah. I, I, it is. I may be able to put that aside and not do it, but the, the feeling when a carpet is starting, I always equate it to what it felt like when I was pitching when I was a kid, you know, yeah. the days that I was throwing when I would show up to the diamond mm-hmm. and I knew that I was pitching that day. And I, it's a day, day of show jitters as we call it. Sure. today. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I would get the day of show jitters. There, there's that palpable energy on it's the cool. carpet. Feels good. The, yeah. the, you, and, and there is a rush from it. Definitely. Um, and, and there's also, so when, when I talk about, that line that you have to walk up to when you're trying to get celebrities to talk about their personal lives. One of the niches that I had at E was that as a parent, I was able to talk to young Hollywood parents about their kids. Mm. Yeah. Yep. yep. None of the other interviewers at the time, whether it was talent or the other producers, were parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had a leg up, and it's like everyone can talk. You can talk about parenting with other parents. It's yep. the easiest thing in the world, it's universal. Yeah. It's the easiest thing to talk instant about. Instant relatability it, there, yeah. It, it, exactly. But it, it's tough for someone without kids or without young kids. Now, I had young kids for my last eight years doing the job. Mm-hmm. So it was always very easy for me to get people to talk about babies yep. or toddlers or whatever age they were. And I, I make a further, deeper connection with people because they don't mind talking about their personal lives in that context. Yeah, true, true. 
so that that was that was something I always used, and that was you know a, a big, uh, I guess, a leg up that I had. I don't know what kind of, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> no <laughs> that was worries. relative to something you asked me. <laughs> no worries at all. Um, so like for many, um, uh, you know, so many people's lives had changed in the pandemic. Um, I would say in your case, it's pretty extreme. Um, meaning that like, you know, as we hopefully maybe kind of are working towards getting out of this, I'm still, um, you know, I'm in my same city. I'm taking my daughter to the same school, um, you know, meeting at the same <laughs> restaurants. I'm, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm in the same jobs pretty much. All of this is not the case for you. Um, things have changed a whole lot uh, for you during the pandemic. <laughs> and I was wondering if we can get into that a little bit and you could explain, um, you know, kind of how, uh, I mean, I saw you on a newspaper recently as kind of you and your family as like the face of, you know, moving out of New York into New Jersey. So you're in New Jersey right now, huh? I'm going to send you that JPEG. So you, can, you can put it up with the link. Absolutely. We got to share that. It's too good. You, you were, it was like multiple newspapers. I think I saw, is that correct? I, it, it is the craziest thing, man. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. No. It doesn't make, it doesn't make any it's sense. Cool. Yeah. I, I dropped a brand doc mm. for, for my new company and in the press reach out because I you know I worked so closely with publicists for so many years that I'm kind of doing my own PR and in the press reach out I reached out to a local reporter that covers the shore beat mm -hmm. and you know with the subject line hot scoop and Ventnor or something yeah. along those lines yeah. <laughs> and I sent her the brand doc and was like hey you know pandemic pivot whatever and she she wrote back very quickly it was like you know, I'm doing this piece on the, the quote, new locals. Uh, oh, yeah. Would you be interviewed for that? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if, if you'll mention Fixer Shop, yeah. Yeah. which she agreed to, and then did the interview with, did a photo shoot with a guy I found out later was a Pulitzer Prize winning photographer, wow. which is very cool. cool. And, you know, kind of, yeah, I knew it was a thing that I had done. I didn't think much of it. I knew that the article was coming out kind of ambiguously the next week. Mm. And, and somehow going from being like a quote, one of seven people interviewed for this article and, you know, having an insert or whatever, somehow I end up on the cover and my family, we end up on the cover Your of the Philadelphia yeah. Inquirer yeah. and the Philadelphia <laughs> Daily News. Amazing. Like slow news day. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. But yes, that, that's, that's where I am now on the cover of the newspaper in a really weird context. Yeah. Uh, but how I got there. So, so my life and career started to change about eight months before COVID hit mm -hmm. because my show got canceled. Yeah. So E! News got canceled in August of 2019. Oh, wow. Yeah. With a three-month lead time. The last date, I believe, of the old E! News was November 15th, 2019. So I had three months of, okay, you know, getting out. I had three, it was like a weird goodbye tour, a prolonged goodbye tour sure. at 30 Rock. Yeah. You know, doing all the carpets and mm -hmm. for the last time seeing that it was very strange. But the show got canceled. And then, so everybody, my whole generation of producers got bounced, uh, right. basically. All the people around the roughly 40 something employees who had been there for 10 years and who had been kind of grandfathered into salaries from when we were getting 600,000 households a night. Mm, yeah. When I started at E! News, Mike, yeah. it was a huge hit. Seacrest was still hosting. Seacrest yep. hosted my first few years that I was there. Mm -hmm. And then I guess he left in 2012. And from the minute he left, ratings started uh... to go down. I, I, and, and granted, that coincided with cord cutters and whatnot. But if I tell you, you look at a chart, you can like pinpoint the, the day Seacrest left. Yeah. And it was just like an insanely downhill chart yeah. from that moment. So the last eight years that I was there, ratings were tanking. By the end, it was like they kind of put the old gal out of her misery, which is sad. It, you know, E! News was an institution for, really for a long time. Yep. yep, it was a big thing. But, but then they make the genius decision. After canceling it, it's, they're going to bring it back as a 7 a.m. show 
from New York. And if I tell you, Mike, because I still have friends there who were in uh, in research yeah. in cable. Mm-hmm. If I tell you, nobody watched that show, dude. Nobody <laughs> watched that <laughs> it was, show. It was really, if it's wow. there are there are tens of thousands of Instagram accounts that have Definitely. more people watching them yep. every day yep. than this thing on, on on major cable TV, and it lasted for two months. Hmm. They got to they got to like it got canceled twice in the in the span of a year. So it was only the old show, which was at the time hosted by Juliana. Rancic and Jason Kennedy mm-hmm. got canceled. The last episode was in November. Then they rebooted it in January. So while this was going on, I'm trying to pivot anyway. Yeah. I reopened my production company, Chairman Media, mm-hmm. which I, you know, I had existed until I became staff it, from 2000 to 2010 yeah. until I became staff at E. And I'm, you know, I started working more in branded content. Yeah, I'm still out on carpets as for, for what you did for Netflix mm-hmm. as, for from the house. Yeah, you know, I became a, which is great for me anyway, because yeah. then I get to actually just talk about the art Definitely. and I don't have to ask to get gotcha questions because I'm with the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm still doing carpets, you know, January, February, May, still doing junkets, but again, working for the house. Yeah. And so I, I was partnered. I am partnered still. I still work with them uh, with a really kind of cool boutique ad agency, uh, video production company called Team Bubbly. They're, they're Brilliant guys do really wonderful work. I partnered with them, and I was became kind of an EP for branded content mm. and brand docs, which helped with the next thing, and it, with, which helped with with picture shot and that brand doc. But I so I have a production company at this yep. point. Yep. So I'm four months into trying to get my production company off the ground, past my like career, and then COVID happened. I'm like, okay, well, there's no production now, yeah. and my wife lost her job on March 16th. Her restaurant, she was an events manager at a big midtown Italian mm-hmm. restaurant and her restaurant was. So there are no events, there are no restaurants, no, no there's production. no production. Yeah. So what do we do? <laughs> definitely, definitely. It's wild that like, just... your life change was already happening. You know, it's, it's, it definitely was expounded by what happened, but your life change was happening before the big, big change hit us totally. all. So, you know, I guess there's some benefits in that. You're already wading out into different things. I don't want to gloss over it, though, because um, you mentioned it twice already. I think this is something what you're one of the projects you're working on is something that can help a lot of people. Um, and it's called Fix Your Shot. Uh, and because so, so we move. Yeah. I, I, I was, yeah, I'll get to fix. Yeah. Oh, good, good. We move. I just, he has to come up because I think it can help. No, thanks, people. man. No, yeah. that's, that's, I dude, appreciate you. Love you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know what? I think, um, and I, I want you to continue, but like, I think about all, um, you know, I was doing a lot of live streams with Osiris, uh, initially in the early, uh, days of, um, the pandemic. And, uh, you know, we really could have used you. I look back at some of these and I can barely watch what's going on. But yeah, so you, you moved to New Jersey. Well, so we moved down the shore. We moved to the Jersey Shore. Uh, we've had a presence uh, down here. for This is where we got married. Mm. This is where we met and courted first date. The, the, the whole nine. We have a home long history. All, yeah. yeah, we have a long history on this island. It, it, I, I love this place. That was the story in the paper. Uh, but we, we relocated. We actually came down here in May. Uh, and split the time we stayed in New York half the time. We kept our apartment until the end of, of September in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, Astoria represented. Yeah. Um, so we we moved down here, and then in the fall, after the move, I was approached by some people that had this kind of wonderful idea, and it, it did speak to a problem that I was noticing every single day on cable news, and that is people's work from home, like ho- home shot they're, they're shot at home for video conferencing was garbage oh, absolute basura man yep. i don't understand yep. the, the the savviest people have the worst <laughs> looking shot it was getting so, I was so with old this idea. too like because you're, oh. you're, you're brought into all these homes and like i would just after a while i i, I couldn't be watching things anymore like it, you know fountain whatever it was i'm like this is not this is so below standard you know, I'm like, I can't wait till, you know, the, the, the production teams can get back out there. And the world. And that was on TV. Yeah. That was with, yeah. That was with producers yep. who could ostensibly tell you how to set up your shot. Mm-hmm. That was on TV. That, yeah. that was the genesis of the idea with TV. But what we found in exploring it mm-hmm. is that in terms of work from home situations and video conferencing, this became a people's everyday lives. 
those people were really, really lacking. And what was a, a nice shot, a nice looking shot from home, work from home, video conferencing shot, which was a nice to have in April of 2020, kind of became a, a must have as time went on and people still weren't doing it. Yep. And my, my partners kind of conceived this thing. They brought me on this idea of fix your shot is the name of the company. Mm-hmm. And it's literally what we do. Mm-hmm. We are video conferencing, video conferencing, aesthetic support as a service. And we, we were founded with the idea that video conferencing isn't going away mm-hmm. even when COVID does. Even when people are back in the office, whatever situation, video conferencing is a part of people's lives now. Mm-hmm. And impressions still matter. Yep. And people just weren't putting their best foot forward. How can we help? Yep. Absolutely. So I pivoted from, and I, listen, I still work, I, I still do chairman media work. Yeah, I, still, yeah. I, I still am a, an executive producer of video projects mm-hmm. whenever I can. But I am now the, the president and CEO of this company, Fix Your Shop. I think it's it just it's so crucial. You know, it, it's kind of fun. There's there there's such an art to it too. I mean, it's like cinematography of people's homes. You're framing shots within all these different spaces, and there's different challenges within each one. So I think there's a lot of fun there. The need is so serious. I know, uh, I know some of the um, you know business arrangements I'm in. Um, that there's like a weekly Zoom that's not going away for a long time. I know there's live streams and interviews that that are going to be done in this format it, moving forward. It's it's the need is here and it's not going anywhere even as people wade back into the world in a major way. So it's definitely something that um that that it's critical for people's lives and businesses. It is, and you see the logic in it, and mm. people do. It, it, it's really it's been very cool to see the idea germinate. And then resonate. Yeah. The first time I heard the idea, and listen, you've kicked around ideas with your friends a million times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we all do. Yeah. And that's basically what these guys were doing. I said the first time I heard it, like, guys, this is great, but there are 10 groups of guys who are just like the three of us. Yeah. Or not guys. There are 10 groups of people, people that yeah. are just like the three of us who are have the same idea. We need to get this to market. Mm. So I was really the catalyst to, to pushing us to to get it to market, and it it's been it's been amazing. Yeah, and we're really and we're really helping people. And my career did one hundred percent set me up to succeed at this because again, you 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 knowing the Netflix junket game, right? You know what a hotel room a hotel room is basically the blank slate that you're given mm-hmm. with tons of interviews, yep. right? And you have to make it, and there are windows, and there are beds. How do I make this space into the most optimized space for video? What's the best shot in this space? And that exercise, having done that exercise so many times, set me up for that. And then my ability to communicate with people, which I honed over all these years of being a professional communicator, mm-hmm. helped me teach people. Yeah. So I, you know, now we have other facilitators that we brought, brought in since we started getting more clients. But I wrote the best practices and I still facilitate sessions as much as I can because yeah. I, I, I love teaching. I, I love helping. And that was one of the biggest problems. When I, when I was talking about how like messed up I was over what I was doing and how like it took a toll, I wasn't helping anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I was asking for salacious, you know, tell me about <laughs> Pete Davidson's cock, you know, like that, that's not cool. Yeah. That's yeah, not there's, cool. No, there's no personal reward. There's something so special about fu- finding something you care about when you're giving back. It's just, it's kind of the goal and to people like us and, you know, who want to contribute and want to do good. And, and that's just what's fun to think about and just knowing you is that's only one facet of what's going on and, and with, with what you're doing and in your mind. I know, I, you know, we were just talking the other day and, and you know, I was just asking, you know, what's, What's next? What are you thinking about? And your response was, "I, I want to make art." And so, I'm, I'm, my, my my guess is like there's a bunch of um, television projects, and and and, and I know I've read some of your writing. You know, it's, it's it's outstanding. I hope you you know push the pedal to the metal on that. I mean, you probably have a whole bunch of other things in the in the cooker. I'm I'm, I'm thinking. Oh man, a million always. <laughs> always, that, that's always. A, that's yeah. a, 
That's, you always, yeah. you, 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 ha- you have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I have the voice in my head telling me what a lazy asshole I am. <laughs> you know? I'm glad I have that. I don't know if it's the voice in my head or my wife. No, (laughs) the critic, man, the critic is a real thing. It's it 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 makes me question, you know, things I've done. Do I belong in these situations? I know we both find ourselves in some pretty intense situations around some pretty successful people. It's like, what is going on here? Do I belong? And it's 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 a real thing, and it's it sucks. Oh yeah, man. But it also um, I, I think the, and the and the most important thing, the most important part is just to to live your life with love and to be kind to people. As long as you're doing that and you're trying hard, I mean, it sounds like what I tell my kids, but it's I got to tell myself the, the the same thing. You live your life the right way, and you try and do right by others and be kind to people, and 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 you know, work hard and not be a lazy bum that the voice in your head is telling you you are, yep. and ultimately, like. You know, this is life, but we get one we get one trip around. It's so short. It's, it's all so fleeting. You were talking to me about uh, your daughter growing. We were talking about our kids growing up, mm. and I, I thought about it a lot actually this morning, getting the kids up for for, for school. You know, I, I got in bed with my son and I snuggled with him for five minutes before we left, and, and, and that's not far from a direct line from what you and I were talking about. Yeah, soak it in, man. You know, they, how, how, how quickly they're growing up. I've seen my nieces and nephews, how quickly, you know, with, with the snap of a finger, everything goes so quickly. So, you know, we have to be in it. We have to look forward and plan a million things. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, be in it every day and try and be kind and try and do things the right way and teach our kids well and be good examples for them. But we're all just doing the best we can, man. We're just humans. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you, um, you know, one of the first things I ever, I ever knew, uh, or when I, you know, first met you, one of the things that was brought to my attention was your dream of spinning the wheel on the price is right. And, and you made that <laughs> dream happen. And uh, it's, it's just the fact that you, brought that to life it just shows me that you could really really do anything i love that video i love that moment mike I mike not that. just spinning the wheel on the price is right yeah spinning the wheel on the price is right and dedicating that spin to my mom dedicating to your mom it's it's beautiful man <laughs> it's really it's beautiful thing and so when you set your sights to projects i know uh i, I know there's a good good conclusion the, the, to that so the, there is something funny about that that part of my career there is this like little hunter s hunter s yep. s aspect of what I did like you know I, I don't know if you if you saw it on video but there's also a video that exists of me getting suplexed through a table <laughs> by by these ECW wrestlers oh, nice. you know there, there's I, I, I mean I think crazy shit dude <laughs> I, I I've worked I've worked three Super Bowls I've been uh-huh. on the field at three Super Bowls wow. I've been at the post of two Kentucky Derbies in the paddock I did the Olympics I did 25 seasons of fashion week you know, the, the, the stuff that I saw, like in the, these places, that, that level of experiential capital that I was lucky enough. You know, this is the stuff that people pay tens of thousands of dollars for. And it, it, it was my job. Yep. I was at the 50 yard line next to freaking Kellyanne Conley when the birds won the Super Bowl. <laughs> I still can't wrap my head around that one. That's nuts. You know, what? <laughs> It's like the Forrest Gump of like the interview game, just and and that was what I was talking about the you know the opportunities and the places it took you and you know everything you do takes you to amazing amazing places and I know that's going to continue and I'm glad we got to talk about some of the places you've gone and you know what I know too is that you're going to be back on here talking about something in the future some some project that you might you know might be getting off the ground there might not even uh be in your mind yet but it's going to come to fruition and i'm going to want to talk about it with you but i can't you. wait man yeah. this hour went like two minutes you, <laughs> you, you're the you're the easiest guy to talk to in the world <laughs> yeah. and yeah, i love talking i mean what, what the what your listeners don't know is that like this is what our phone conversations yes. are like probably a little less with me talking because <laughs> i'm not being interviewed but like the, the ease of the back and forth i live for those is like yep. ah yeah man. yeah it's the best and the best. we also both know the the mountaintop right like i went to all these 50 yard lines of the first but like the real mountaintop was being a big cypress right yes <laughs> like, that's, that's, <laughs> that was i mean it's we we peaked out going it from 1999 <laughs> into 2000 it's, we, you know what? It, we'll, we'll always have that. We'll always have that. <laughs> Jimmy, uh, 
I really appreciate your time, man. Thank you. I can't wait to spread the word about what you're up to, what you're doing, what you've done. And uh, thanks, man. I really appreciate this conversation. Oh, thank you. This is so fun. I really look forward to uh, to the next time. I look forward to when we talk when it's nothing recorded. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com.